Um, there were 22 of us that went, and uh, I'll tell you what, uh, it was incredible. Um, outside of food poisoning, uh, it was really a perfect trip. Everything we had set out to do, and uh, I missed you guys. It's so good to be back up here. Um, outside of food poisoning, everything was great. Every relationship that we wanted to build was was just there in the, the village of Barrio Sapile, uh, with the church planning net, network called Santuario Vida, um, with this retreat that we had put together for the, the young adults from this uh, village of Barrio Sapile. Um, it just all came together. It was, it was amazing. Um, everybody on our trip, all 22 of us, I mean, it was, that, that for me was the, one of the best parts, was to see each and everybody from our team just not only be used, but be impacted. Um, uh, my wife came, which was really neat for, because her and I haven't really been able to serve together since our kids were either non-existent yet or, or really, really, really young. So it was really exciting to serve together. But also two of my older kids, um, Dale and Adekwin, were able to go. And it was awesome just to see them uh, participate and be used and connect uh, with the kids there and um, fit right in. It was amazing to see our, our team just so diverse. Anybody from, yeah, my kids to, from Polly to, um, to anybody on the trip. Everybody was so diverse in age and gifts and uh, um, humor. And we laughed so much. Uh, I can't even describe to you. Like, I, my stomach hurt every day just from laughing at our team. I was so, so proud of them. Um, we're actually going to take uh, next Sunday morning, uh, we're gonna take a chunk of the service, and we're going to be able to talk about the trip. So you're going to hear from uh, some of the people that, are, that went on the trip. You're going to see some uh, pictures. You're going to see a video that we're making uh, of the trip and just kind of a highlight reel of what happened uh, down there and what it looks like uh, for us going forward, um, going back to Honduras. So we're really excited about that. Um, this, You know, the person I was really obviously super proud of, um, was the one that coordinated the trip, um, our very own Katie Castro. Um, she was, it's a good thing she's not here this morning or that weak clap really would have hurt her feelings. Um, no, she is, um, she worked really, really, really hard on that and she did an amazing job leading with her, her family there, her young kids there and being from there and all the dynamics of, of Leading, leading that type of a team, um, being sick as well. Um, in fact, um, why I'm bringing this up is I want to just take a moment and uh, talk about um, her, and we want to pray for her just for, for a moment. She's home right now because her kids um, have uh, a really uh, bad illness, um, and so they've been battling all week as well. And in fact, I think they're probably at the worst point this morning. Uh, the kids have pneumonia. Um, and so we just want to take a moment, and I want to do two things. Um, obviously, God's going to heal them, and they're going to be fine, and everything's going to be good. But uh, we, as the body of Christ, have an opportunity right now to, to give, as we're talking about gifts this morning, we can give the gift of encouragement, and we can give the gift of praying for them. And so I want to do two things. So if you know Katie... Um, or you are friends with her on Facebook, or, or you have her cell phone number, I, literally, I want to encourage you to take out your phone right now. 
I'm going to pull up her phone number. I'm not going to give it to you if you don't have it, because that would be inappropriate, probably. <laughs> Here's her number. Uh, or if you're friends with her on Facebook, pull up her on Messenger. Or just note to do this later. Call her if you, if you get a chance later. And I want you just to send her a message right now. I'm just saying that you are uh, praying for her or that you're um, thinking of her and her family, her kids, um, Zoe and Lucy and Gabriel. Um, is there uh, really sick right now? Uh, just send her any type of encouragement that you have. I know she could really use it. I know she really wanted to be here. She, that was one of the things as our team was away, even though it seems really weird. Some of y'all miss church all the time, but for us, like it was when we were on this trip, we were like, I cannot wait to get back to Conduit. Um, as weird as that sounds, we missed our families and stuff, but we missed our church family. And so I, I know for her, she wants to be here. And so just give her some type of encouragement, encouragement right now. And I want to just take a moment and let's just pray for for Lucy and Gabriel and for Zoe, okay? <laughs> Father, I just lift up these um, these beautiful kids, God. I just I think of Lucy and Gabriel and Zoe, God. I know you know exactly what's going on with pneumonia, with their bodies that are recovering from sickness and travel and exhaustion and change of environment, and um, God, I just pray right now, in the name of Jesus, that you would touch them, Lucy, you'd touch her, and Gabriel, that you'd touch him, and Zoe, in the name of Jesus, that you'd touch her. Jesus, we believe that you have the power to heal, and my family has been the byproduct of a child being healed by this building, by this body, by these people praying as we prayed, as they prayed for my child. My child was healed. And I just pray for the same for Lucy and for Zoe and Gabriel. Ask that you give them rest. You just touch them. Katie and Javi, God, just give them rest. As I know, as parents, it's exhausting. Give them the energy they need to care for their kids. God, we thank you so much for the Castros and just what they mean to this body, to this church, and this community. We just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys for that. So we are in the middle of our Christmas series. Oh, what fun. And I missed the first week. You know, if you know me at all, you know that I'm kind of... Uh, even though I, 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 I like to celebrate, I like, I like yeah, it, it, I'm good with that. But for me, Christmas has always been somewhat of a struggle. I, I don't know if I would say I'm a, a, a Grinch or a humbug, but I just, I don't know. It's just something I've always, I, I'm good once we get a little bit closer, but it's like, it's not even Halloween yet. And people are bringing out Christmas music. It's just like so inappropriate. It's so not fair to Halloween. It's so not fair to Thanksgiving. It's so, like Turkey has feelings and, and the pilgrims have feelings and all these things are happening and y'all are just rushing it and I just don't, I don't like that. But this year we decided to kind of, uh, which again, I won't point out whose idea it was, but it was this idea that, that oh, what fun would bring this extravagant idea that Christmas is worth celebrating and the different aspects of Christmas that we celebrate are people. And gifts, 
and food and music. Now, those are all the things that we celebrate, right? Like, even, even mentioning those things, maybe with the exception of people, um, it's easy for us to, to immediately think of memories in regards to food and Christmas, right? Like, I could even take moments and kind of call out and say, okay, what is your favorite Christmas food, Christmas dessert? What do you think of? You think of something your mom made, your grandma made, your, or something that some type of restaurant has that, that's your favorite thing, or music, like, what's your favorite Christmas carol? What's your favorite, like, the, what sound, what instrument just kind of sparks it for you? Um, last week, uh, Pastor Cameron started us out with, oh, what fun people. And there's a quote he said in there, which I thought it was an incredible message, by the way. Um, even though he was a little bit, diff- or a little bit harsh on his Uncle Jerry. Um, uh, Uncle Jerry was kind of used as an example of kind of the, 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 the things that sometimes we, we dread seeing or being around during the Christmas season. Because when it's, when it's Christmas time, you're around people. Um, maybe that you don't see other times of the year. Maybe family or friends, or maybe, or maybe even coworkers. Your environment, maybe a Christmas party at your work, where you, it's okay to work with them, but now you gotta like eat with them and like hang out with them. There's something about people that sometimes we dread. In fact, his quote, Cameron said this. He says, "There is something this Christmas season that you are dreading. It may not be things. Maybe it's." people. And he drew out the purpose of that reality. And he challenged us with that. And today, I I literally want to flip-flop that quote. That there is maybe this, there is something this Christmas season that you are dreading. Maybe it's not people, but maybe it's the things. The things. The gifts. The gifts. See, for me, gifts are, uh, or, or maybe for you this morning, gifts are a challenge. We all like to receive gifts for the most part, but it's harder for us to come up with the right resources to be able to give the right gifts. The thought, the energy, the time, the shopping. Does anybody here love shopping? Love Christmas shopping. It's like super exciting. You're like smiling as your arm, as your hand is raised. You're like, yeah, I love shopping. Anybody hate shopping? Okay, that's most of y'all. I I was surprised by that. Yeah, like the thought and the energy that comes into all that. You gotta, anybody actually have a Christmas list? Like on your, like anybody actually have like a pen and paper Christmas list? That's amazing. Not on your phone or anything. That's incredible. How many have your list up here? That's, that's impressive. Mostly guys right there. <laughs> it's all right here. Yeah, it's all right there. Gifts are, well, honestly, the best part of Christmas, especially for children, right? And, and, and the, the whole idea of Christmas, the whole idea of Jesus' birth, is centered around this idea that he was the ultimate gift to us from the Father God. And so this morning I want to just take a moment and I want to talk about this general idea of God being the ultimate gift giver. God being the ultimate gift giver. And when he gave us a gift, it's not just about this gift that was given, it's about a gift that we have received. 
And if we haven't fully received a gift, it's hard for us to feel fulfilled by that gift. When I was, um, when I was about fifth grade, um, I'll never forget this Christmas. It was, I lived at 307 Airwood East, East Alton, Illinois. It was a suburb of St. Louis, Missouri, right across the river on the Illinois side. I remember specifically, things were like, things were tight. Uh, things were sparse. Uh, like me and my brother, like we had everything in the kitchen. Like it was always like there were snacks that didn't last. Um, but I remember there was this period of time where it was like, it was really sparse. And I don't know the circuit, when you're a kid, you kind of have no idea. All you know is that there's no snacks, right? Um, and I remember it was, it was Christmas time. And I remember this very specifically, and this is what I want to point out, that I remember this as a fifth grader and not knowing all the details. And I want you to know that each one of these baskets actually will make an impact. Like, this isn't just like, yay, we did a cool thing, or yay, your family did a cool thing. There's a lot of baskets here, but each one of these baskets represents a token of love, a memory to a family, to a soul, to a person. But I'll never forget, um, I noticed there was a car, it was like a, it was like uh, one of those boats that they, like, it was like an old Lincoln car like the, with a giant trunk um, that an older person, uh, a mature person would drive. I gotta be really careful I, how I describe things. Pulled into the driveway, I'm like, who's here? And out of the car, uh, or out of the car steps this older woman, and she goes to the back of the car, and I'm like all out, I'm walking outside, I'm like, who's here? Like, I have no idea who this is. And she says, hi, um, are, you, are you Corey? I'm like, yeah, how do you know my name? She goes, and your brother's Jeremy, and your mom is Jim, and your, um, and your mom is Kathy? I'm like, yeah, um, well, I have a, a gift for you um, from, from our church. And um, they, she opened the trunk, and she had this basket that was so heavy that she could not pick up. Full of all kinds of snacks and detergent and soap and all kinds of just helpful gifts. And for me, the, that wasn't the gift. For me, the gift was seeing the look on my mom's face, that somebody took the time, that a church took the time to gather all that, to send this lady to my house because she didn't know us, and to give a token of love to us in a time of need. It, it was a small thing, but it was such, such a big thing. And so gifts have such power. Gifts have such power. And as we receive that gift, a lot of times when you receive a gift, I don't know if you're, um, well, I think we're all like this to some degree. When, when someone gives you something like extravagant, um, there's this hesitation. I, I'm good. No, 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 you don't got to do that. No, no, there's this, there's this, you, you, like almost as if you're not worthy to receive it. And that's where I want to spend a lot of our time this morning. It's not just on the idea that God is the greatest gift giver, but us as receiving a gift. There's this hesitation for us that we're not worthy. And part of that is true. And part of that we're going to talk about. But uh, what I really want to 
focus on is both aspects, not just the giver, but the receiver. Unless a gift is fully received, it will not truly fulfill. So go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, um, and we're going to be in verse 1. It says, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, this is the story of the wise men. How many wise men were there? We don't know. People, it doesn't say. I know. That was just, yeah, there's not three. I, I mean, maybe there's three. Maybe there's 200. It, it really doesn't say. Fun little Christmas fact. You can bring that up at your Christmas family gathering and show how much you know about the Bible. Trick them. Yes. Um, now, verse 1 says, Now, <laughs> Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's my gift to you today is good trivia. Um, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Where is he who has been born king? King. That is the key word. These magi, these wise men, these royalty, these were kings themselves. They're asking, where is this other king? Who are they asking? They're asking a king. This is royalty asking royalty about other royalty. There is a camaraderie between them that this is about a king. This isn't about where's the baby. Where, this isn't about where's the savior of the world that takes away our sin. This isn't about the son of God for this moment. For them, this was about where's the king? Where's the king? And for Israel, they understood this context. Because for them, it wasn't just about someone that was coming to sacrifice themselves for our sins. For them, they were waiting for a king. So where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him and assembled all the chief priests and scribes and the people and he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, so he brought them like into his chamber, into a secret place where he could really ask them and tell them, go and search diligently for this child. Go find him. And when you have found him, Tell me where he is. Bring me word, he says, that I may too come and worship him. He's straight up lied. He's like, hey, hey, let me know where this baby is. This is King Herod, a wicked, wicked, wicked king. Let me know where this baby is so that I can come worship him as well. And after listening to the king, the wise men went on their way. And behold the star that they had seen when it rose before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, 
they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw a child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and they worshipped him. Then, opening the treasures, they offered him gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. I love this story because we see this as like three dudes on a camel uh, that came and saw Jesus be born in a barn, right? Um, next to all the animals. This is actually not what happened. We don't know if there was three, and, and then it actually describes that at this point, Jesus was in a house with Mary and Joseph. So this is possibly maybe even a year after or maybe two years after Jesus was born. They're, they're, they're back home in their home, or they're in a home in Bethlehem. And these uh, magi, these wise men, brought these gifts to Jesus. Now, I, I get the assumption that why there was three, because let's face it, if they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and there was only three gifts, and there was like four guys, like imagine how awkward that fourth guy is. <laughs> like, gold, frankincense, essential oils, and then the fourth guy is like, <laughs> it's like awkwardly I'm not sure what to do so I think that's where people get that idea but there's so much more to this story think about how these three wise men or, or these wise men as a gift to see what I just did there how he used these wise men as a gift to Jesus to escape death in that moment you see God the Father had a purpose for his son. And that purpose obviously was way away from just being born as a baby or being one or two years old. And so there was a protection around that purpose. So there's this idea around even now, you today, like the, you're, you're not Jesus, but there's this protection around your purpose. There's something God has for you to do that he will move heaven and earth, he will send people, he will give gifts, he will move heaven and earth to accomplish the purpose that he has in you. That's a small bit I wanted to point out. And then when he brought, they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I don't know the street value of frankincense and myrrh, nor do I want to take the time to do that this morning, but gold has always been valuable. Now, what did they essentially tell Mary and Joseph? Through the dream, God revealed to the wise men that Herod's wanting to kill Jesus. Why is King Herod wanting to kill Jesus? Because he's the true king. He's the true king. And now Herod, King Herod, is all insecure. He's the king of Judea and he's all insecure and he feels that Jesus, this baby, is now going to threaten his kingdom. And so God reveals through a dream, through these wise men, that Jesus needs to flee. And so what they did was Mary and Joseph fled to Egypt. How did they get to Egypt? Remember, these, these, like this, these are poor folk. Well, guess what they got now? Gold! Come on! They got gold, they got frankincense, I don't know, and they got essential oils. Ladies and gentlemen, what else do you need? Amen? It's amazing. 
what God does. So he brings them to Egypt. There's a reality to this. I'm kind of tongue-in-cheek with some part of this story, but there is a reality to this that they were fleeing for their life to the point where the story goes on to talk about how Herod, King Herod, after, after the, this dream was revealed to the wise men, and um, Herod caught wind that the wise men caught on to this, and that Herod really didn't want to come worship Jesus, Herod was like, fine, I'm ordering right now that every baby boy two years old and younger in the Bethlehem region be murdered. True story. So you, you need to know that like there's, there's all this pretty nativity stuff going on, but, but you also need to know that there is, there is a underlined current of evil that wants to stop redemption at all costs. And I know you feel it in your life. I feel it in my life. You see God at work. You're moving. You're obeying. You make mistakes. He gives you grace. You step into what he asks you to do. You worship. You try to be grateful. You try to do what you're supposed to do. You mess up. He gives you grace. He gives you mercy. You're all in. You're here. You see the point of it all. You're living life on purpose. You're like, you're all in. But all of a sudden, this moment, you're always like, wow, in and through all that, there is this evil trap that's trying to destroy me. It's trying to destroy my family. It's trying to destroy my church. It's trying to destroy my culture. It's trying to destroy my marriage. It's trying to destroy my city. It's all evil. But you need to know this. That is true. That is true. God wins. God wins every time. Read the whole story. Read the whole story. And there's an awful travesty that happens. But the bigger picture, as we zoom out, we begin to see that God is on the throne. And we begin to see that redemption is still coming. We begin to see that the train of forgiveness, the train of redemption and wholeness in that place cannot be stopped. This is a gift. I, I, I love this because that is never brought up again. Like, I wonder if Jesus, like, later in life, uh, or when, once he became a teenager, I wonder if, or when he was an adult, like, ever thought about, like, Man, I'm so grateful for those wise men. Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, we see it as this beautiful nativity scene, but have you ever thought about, like, Jesus being, like, grateful for these, like, wise men? Like, and he knew maybe how many there were and how many, like, all the stories of Mary and Joseph. Like, like here's my question. Like, at Jesus' bar mitzvah, <laughs> did he give thanks to the wise men? I don't know. I have so many questions about this. But nonetheless, God gave us the gift of Jesus. And in that gift, God protected, God protected that gift through the wise men in this story. God is the ultimate gift giver. He is, this is not the first time that he has given gifts. This is not the first time that he has been known as the ultimate gift giver. His gifts have been unexpected, undeserved, and extravagant. Unexpected, undeserved, and extravagant. James 1.17, go ahead and turn there. James 1.17, this is uh, an excellent, excellent verse for you to memorize or to mark or underline in your Bible. 
says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, of whom we see no shadow of change. There's a lot of context that we're not going to bring into this very moment in this, this chapter. But this idea that God's good gifts, God's perfect gifts, it comes from him. And that there's no shadow of change. It means that he's always been a good gift gifter, good gift giver. He is currently a good gift giver, and he will always be a good gift giver. It's who he is. He loves to give. Think of this reality. Genesis. Back in the garden. Genesis 1.26. You can just listen. Um, it says, let us make man. This is the first chapter of the Bible. Verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 26. Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let, us, let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky, over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God first gave us life, but he also gave us the opportunity to rule over creation. So one of God's first gifts to mankind was to rule, was to cultivate, was to care for the earth. Even going a little bit further, one of God's first gifts, one of God's most extravagant, extravagant gifts to man was woman. It was a gift. He recognized that something missing. He recognized the, the extravagant nature of a woman that he would create and how they would be so much better together. And he gave the man a woman. He gave Adam Eve. It doesn't stop him. You start to move through the Bible. Abraham, he ultimately, all he ever wanted was a son. He was in his old age. It's all he ever wanted was a son. Ultimately, God promised him not just a son, but he promised him more sons than stars in the sky and more sons than the sand on the seashore. Ultimately, he gave him first a son named Isaac. And when he gave him this son named Isaac, long story short, he was asked to sacrifice his son. He was asked to give up the very thing, the only thing he ever wanted, the very gift that he was given. He was giving, given something, and then he was asked to give it up. But even in that gift, God sent another gift. Right before his son was sacrificed, God gave a ram caught in a thicket, another sacrifice to replace his son. There was another gift to show the gift could be preserved. Abraham was given that sacrificial lamb. Moses was given the law. That's a great gift, right? Thanks for the law. The Ten Commandments. Thanks, God. I appreciate that. What a great Christmas it was this year. I got the Ten Commandments. Um, no, but ultimately, when God gave the Ten Commandments, this wasn't seen as just ten rules. This was seen as a way of life. And if you actually dissect, I was just having a conversation with um, a friend this week about the relevance of the Ten Commandments or the Old Testament. And, and the, the question was asked, like, is it, does it apply today? I'm like, look at it. Like, every part of the Ten Commandments contributes, not only is it God's law, but it contributes to a better society. Thou shalt not kill or steal. Thou shalt not lie. You should 
have no other gods before God. Therefore, having God first helps you live on mission for others. Like, it all makes sense. And so for, in the Old Testament, many times specifically in Psalms, it refers to the law as, the law is honey on my lips. And so for the law, it, not just the Moses, but for the nation of Israel, that was, it was a gift. It was a manual for life. It was, a, <laughs> it was the instruction manual to assemble something together called life. Israel. Israel was gifted something. Israel was, Israel was gifted land. Not just any land. A land flowing with milk and honey. It was the promised land. It was the protected land. And even to this very day, that land is more special than all the other lands because of what God had promised to the nation of Israel. It was a gift. God gave not only to the nation of Israel land, but he gave them kings. He gave them judges. And he gave them prophets. Ultimately, all of these gifts left them still wanting. It, it, they were great for the time. Like, isn't every gift great? Isn't every gift like, oh, yeah, thank you. But doesn't it always leave you wanting something else? Even a gift that's practical. Even a gift that's, like, super helpful. At some point in the future, there's this feeling of, like, oh, okay. When you fully receive a gift, that's when you can fully be fulfilled by the gift. But some of these gifts that God gave, ultimately, they weren't filling. They weren't fulfilling. And they certainly weren't eternal. So if you just follow me for a second, I want you to see that, that the gifts that God gave, all that I mentioned so far, those are not, those weren't everlasting gifts. They were, they were glimpses. They were pictures of what would ultimately be an everlasting gift. God gave them kings, knowing that they would rule a nation, but knowing that those kings were, some were good and some were wicked, that they would fall short, but they knew that someday he was going to send a king who would reign forever and ever and would be the ruler of all and would reign well with mercy and goodness and the Son of God having the heart of God. He gave us judges, the ultimately judges that fell short. Some fell short, some fell way short, but they were ultimately a picture that someday God as the ultimate judge was not basing our judgment on what we do or don't do. It's by receiving the gift or not receiving the gift. It's by, the ju it's by judging Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was judged on the cross when he took our sin. And all the wrath, all the punishment, all that conviction was on him so that by receiving that gift, we could be ultimately seeing him as a judge. The prophets, 
prophets were given as a gift so that we could hear the good news that ultimately it wasn't about just these guys, just these preachers or, or prophets that were proclaiming that there is good news coming. Ultimately, God sent the prophet, Jesus, that he was the proclaimer, that he was the good news, that he was the gift of eternal life from the Father. There's this feeling, I, I know you feel it, I feel it too. Um, when you're a kid and you wake up on Christmas morning <laughs> and you're excited, like you're over the top. Some of the best YouTube videos is watching, like, just type in, like, Christmas morning, kids going nuts. Like, it's, it's some of the best videos, kids just going crazy. Or, <laughs> or seeing kids, like, being awfully disappointed. <laughs> but nonetheless, you take yourself back to December 25th, a good memory. Like when you got that thing, you got that gift, you got that thing that you always wanted. And as you opened your gift, you got your Red Rider BB gun, right? You got the thing you always wanted. But here's the thing, December 29th, Always came. January 8th. March 14th. Always came, right? You forgot what you got. It was broke. Your brother used it all. Your mom and dad ate it all. Whatever it was. Like, whatever you were given broke or didn't work or you didn't like it or it was completely consumed. Even though you were filled with such hope. Like, I love Christmas! Ah! You're like ripping pages, ripping the, the paper open. There was something about the gift that was ultimately not fulfilling. That, that's kind of the point. And, and I think when we're, when we're like, with our kids or Christmas time, we're like, man, it's not really, Christmas isn't really about the gifts. No, it really is. It really is. Listen. It is about the gifts. Because a silly gift is supposed to leave you wanting, like giving this moment of joy, giving this moment of love, giving this moment of appreciation, giving this moment of like, I am alive and we're together and this is fun and I love this. It's also supposed to leave them wanting something more. It's not just about the gift. It's about answering what is the ultimate thing that will satisfy. What is the ultimate thing that will fill? And that is Jesus. Now, I don't think you need to give your kid apples to apples and give them a five-minute sermon and tell them how you're going to lose all the pieces to this game, but Jesus will always be with you. And you will never lose Jesus as you're the pieces of Jesus. There. I don't think that needs to happen, but you need to understand, like, what I don't like... What I don't like is when we take something that's so redeemable, like gifts, and we attach guilt onto it. But we start to feel guilt and we're like, oh, hold on a second. I think this is actually part of the point. Because when you give a gift to your child, when you give a gift to your spouse, when you give a gift to your neighbor, when you give a gift to your coworker, there's something there that's supposed to make them feel loved and valued and fulfilled. And when they receive that gift, they're supposed to feel that love, valued and fulfilled. 
they also know, and you also know, that a month from now, four days from now, it's going to fade. But the thing that will last, the thing that will satisfy is the very thing that God ultimately gave Jesus. The very thing that he ultimately gave Jesus. Three quick things. I got three gifts I want to give. Um, I need three. Uh, I actually need, uh, can I get a volunteer? Um, just raise a hand. Jody, all right, come on up. Can I get a, um, let's see here. Come on up on stage here. Probably that way is the best way. Um, can I get one more volunteer? Polly. Okay, Polly, come on up. All right, that is yours. Okay, you stand right there. Polly, give it up for Polly. Woo! <laughs> okay, and then um, I need one more volunteer. Hey, buddy. How are you? That's you. Yes, it is. Jenny, come on up. I'm going to have you stand right here, Jenny. Okay, so basically the best gifts, as I said, uh, when I was in fifth grade and a lady pulled in, uh, opened the trunk, and she had this giant basket of goodies. The best gifts are unexpected, undeserved, and they are extravagant. And so I just thought I'd point out uh, a few of these this morning. Um, Paul, I'm going to let you go first. Sometimes the best gifts are unexpected. Go ahead. Yeah, tear into it. It's, it's not coffee. <laughs> what do we got? <laughs> what do we got? Peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Well, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. All right. We got peanut butter. It's even used. Just breaking it in. There's a little bit of jam in there, right? And we got bread. We got two in there or one? Oh, oh, we got the heel. Give it up for the heel. Some assembly required. Oh, 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 wait a minute. No, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. Because let's face it, y'all are just sick if you use the same one. Come on. Okay. So... You take that gift. You don't have. You can give it back to me later, but you can go sit down. Uh, that gift was probably unexpected, right? In reality, sometimes the best gifts are those unexpected gifts. My challenge to you this morning is: the unexpected gifts are sometimes they they they're they're like hidden. When we when we begin to count our blessings, as cheesy or as like Christianese as that sounds, they're hidden in our blessings that we begin to count. Start doing that. Start, start thinking about your life. You're here, all right? You, you're breathing. 
Maybe not well, but you're breathing. You have family. You have friends. The sun is shining. There's potluck next week. Amen? Like, there begins to be all these blessings that are unexpected that begin to show up. And, and I'm dead serious on this. Like, I think that what happens sometimes is we go along in life and we forget about where we have been. And we forget this reality that the unexpected gift from God is what he's ultimately given us. It, it's like all around us. The unexpected gifts are all around us. We've already gotten them, but we've not expected them. They're right under our noses. He's challenging you to live life to the fullest. He's challenging you to see life in this moment full of joy, full of fun, that it would be a gift to you. So may your gifts be unexpected. Now, also, Jody, your gifts are undeserving. I love you, Jody. You can open your gift. <laughs> the suspense is killing y'all, isn't it? You got it? By the way, my wife is an incredible gift wrapper. Yeah, undeserving payday. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Okay, you can go sit down. Thank you. Give it up for Jody. Sometimes, sometimes our gifts are undeserving. All right, Jenny, you go ahead. Last but not least, sometimes the best are unexpected, undeserving, and extravagant. You know what might help? It's from Amazon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh oh. Yeah! Woo! Okay. All right. Give it up for Jenny. You can go sit down. Thank you, Jenny. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you can keep those. Uh, we found John Staley's uh, credit card this morning, so <laughs> we, uh, Merry Christmas, Jenny. Well, that makes it the best, best 39th birthday ever. Today's your birthday? Yesterday was. Oh, happy birthday, Jenny. <laughs> woo Awesome. So, the best gifts are unexpected, undeserving, and sometimes extravagant. Ultimately, the undeserving part is where I want to park as we close. The extravagant part is where I want to park to as we close. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. 
We all know this verse. I've talked about this, a teach from this probably three or four times just in the last couple months. For by grace you are saved. Grace is this idea that you are given something, you are given merit, you are given faith that we don't, you don't, or I don't deserve. You're saved by that grace. It's the mercy of God. And you're saved through faith. It's you. That's how you receive a gift. Jesus came as a gift for salvation for you. He paid a price that you could not pay. He died on a cross that you were not, that you dodged, essentially. I say this to to my kids. Jesus took a spanking that ultimately was meant for us. And on the cross, he paid that price for us. He died. He was was dead. But he rose again, and his new life can give you new life. When When you examine that idea, when you examine that, wait, wait, it's my faith that saves me? It's his grace that has come my way to give me the opportunity to have faith in him that has saved me? His work on the cross is what saved me? That is so undeserving. I don't deserve that. I I didn't expect it. That's so undeserving. And that is ultimately extravagant. You you need to see this morning that, yes, these gifts, like, don't don't pare it down this Christmas. If at all possible, be extravagant, be unexpected, and be undeserving as you give gifts to those people in your life. But ultimately, you need to know that the gift of Jesus Christ is meant for you. And maybe you came in this morning unexpecting. Maybe you're coming to this Christmas season with so much stress. Moms, dads, let me, let me talk to you for a second. Maybe you come into this season with a lot of stress. Like, I can't, I don't have it this year. I don't have the resources. I don't have the time. I don't have the stinking energy it takes to go into this season right now. You need to hear me right now. You need to know that, yes, it's important to give gifts, but honestly, it's far more important. It's far more important, the thought and the heart and the love behind it, because it's a token, it's a picture of the ultimate, everlasting gift of Jesus Christ. Your generosity, your love, your relationship to them. It's a picture of Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's a picture of James 1, 17. It's the picture that ultimately the best gifts come from God. And you living that out, yes, it does come through gifts. That isn't the point, but it's also part of the point. Um, I heard, a, uh, I saw a great quote by this church. It's actually their, their vision statement. Um, I saw it this week, a church in Seattle, and it said um, that life is a gift and love is the point. Life is a gift and love is the point. This gift that God gave us, life, unexpected, this life, like the breathing, like our physical life, the, the undeserving, our eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That extravagant gift he's given us in relationship with him. Ultimately, that gift happens through the Holy Spirit. All of these gifts given to us, it's so that love would be the point in our life. So that love would be the point. These are, some of these gifts are past. 
Like it's happened for you this morning. Maybe for you this morning, like you just needed the, the, uh, an unexpected, undeserving, extravagant moment to say, okay, God, I'm all in. I want life to the fullest. I'm like, I'm going to be more present this Christmas. I'm going to be all in with my family and my spouse, my, my friends, my coworkers. I'm going to be all in. I need life to the fullest this morning. Maybe that was for you this morning. Or maybe this morning for you, it was, you know what? I, I want to receive fully the gift of salvation. I, I want to receive the gift of salvation. That, that's the only way you're going to feel fulfilled by that gift. You, you know about the gift. You, you know about the gift. You know about the gift. You know about the gift. You know about Jesus. You know about Christmas. But have you actually truly received it? When you truly receive that, is when you begin to feel fulfilled by that gift. Here's the thing. And when you receive that gift, that gift is tangible. Yes, it starts with a prayer. It starts with an invitation. Jesus being a part. Jesus, be a part of my life. Come into my life. Take control of my life. Save me. But you know what Jesus gives us? He gives us the only thing that Jesus says was better than him was a gift he wanted to send once he left. And that was the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he gives this gift to us through our faith. When we receive him, we don't just become sons and daughters of Father God. We don't just become fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. We become filled with the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. That is the gift that's tangible. That is the gift that helps us live, love, and serve our brother. That is the gift that every day when you wake up, you begin to realize this gift, this Holy Spirit inside of me, it is so unexpected. I didn't expect this. He's doing exceedingly, abundantly above all I could ever ask or imagine. I didn't expect him to do this in my life. I see it every day. It's undeserving. Holy Spirit, I do not deserve your grace. I do not deserve your mercy. I do not deserve all the things in my life. It is your, your spirit in my life is so undeserving. And it's extravagant. You want to talk about this is just some like, oh, church is just what you do on Sunday morning. Oh, that's cute. No. The Holy Spirit inside of you, church, has the opportunity to change the world, starting in your home and in your church and in this city. If you believe that, you're going to live that way. You're going to love that way. You're going to serve that way. This happens through us, guys. We have to see this reality. This happens through an extravagant gift of Jesus. So my prayer this morning, my final thought this morning, just as if somebody hands you a gift, don't rob the gift. Don't be like, I'm good. Uh, no, you don't got to, no, you don't have to, no, I, I'm good, no. Don't do that. God gave his only son, Jesus. He gave all, he, he, gave, he literally, he like went bankrupt. God the Father went bankrupt. He gave all he had 
to gain you. And so this morning, don't rob him of the joy of receiving the gift of Jesus Christ. Don't rob him of receiving the gift of abundant, full, joyful life in him. Would you see him? And this morning, maybe you're here and you're like, I didn't expect it. I don't deserve it. It's pretty extravagant. But I want this Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. I want to start today. I want to receive this gift fully. I want to invite you to pray with me. Would you pray a prayer with me like this? If this is your first time, just repeat after me. Jesus, I know you came as a gift. I believe that you died for my sins. And I ask right now that you would save me. I ask that you would change my life. I want to live for you. Give me new life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gift of salvation. In your name, Jesus.